You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 197. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. We are at another seven. One ninety-seven. And a little pre-frame for this episode, I have not been feeling great this week, feeling a bit under the weather, got a lot of congestion going on, so there's going to be more than likely a fair amount of pausing for me to cough and, and wheeze during this. So I will try to make those breaks when I pause it not seem so harsh and pick up right where I left off. But please, if you notice them, understand <laughs> it's it's either this or um, post up an interview with another person within my influence sphere that I've recently introduced and, and would like to introduce to y'all. Uh, but rather than do that for episode 197, because you know how much I love the sevens, I thought I would bring you a very special episode. I know, I say they're all special and I say they're all awesome. <laughs> They're all like my little babies. They're my little children. I love them all so much. Um, recently, I had an opportunity to meet another one of my avid listeners. And for those of you who would like to have an opportunity to discuss joining the tribe or having one-on-one coaching or any of the things that I offer, um, there is a link in the show notes for you to set up a meeting with me. You can always find me over on Instagram like many people do. There's an email address in my show notes as well. However you would like to reach out to me, please feel free to do so. I do my best to get back at those Instagram messages as quickly as possible, although um, I do, for some reason, have messages going into random places in my social media accounts. I didn't put them there. I don't know why they go into undiscoverables, so if you've written me, please don't think I'm ignoring you. I just haven't seen it yet, and I look everywhere for them. So thank you for that sidebar. Anyways, I met a new member and she joined the tribe and she had um, discovered me through searching around on um, the podcast streaming services like Spotify. And we got into a meeting and she said that she remembered the soup metaphor and how much that helped her and how beneficial she thought the soup metaphor was. And I thought, well, what a really powerful way to bring in episode 200 at episode 197 to discuss the soup metaphor. And this is actually in the hub. When the hub is my online academy that I created that helps you understand yourself at a deeper, more intimate level. So you understand how you create your reality. You can understand your unconscious emotional drivers, your six human needs, things like this. Like it's a, it's a whole warehouse of what this podcast has been about just turned into like a sort of like a classroom experience where there's manuals and there's videos and there's really cool ways to really get in deeper with the material. One of the things that came from the hub that I didn't expect to be as powerful as it has become has been the Voxer chat thread. And this is where people who who have joined the hub can come in and talk with similar like-minded people as themselves. And honestly, the only criteria, obviously, if you found... (laughs) the hub and the drive than you've been listening to this show. So people tend to have an in-depth knowledge of the episodes on these podcasts. So we talk about that a lot in our experiences around the show and how we then go and take action with what we've been learning from the show and everything comes together and there's a lot of support and there's celebrations and, you know, there's helping, you know, helping people up whenever life feels down. And there's obviously the celebration and lifting up even higher when amazing things happen in their lives. So the Voxer, the Voxer chat has been amazing lately, and the, some new members have just really just sparked life into it. What was already incredible, it just continuously seems to grow. And so when this new listener, old-time listener, but new tribal member, reached out to me recently and was telling me how powerful the soup metaphor was, I thought, well, what an awesome opportunity to bring that back up into this show and talk about what your life being like a, a, a pot of stew. I call it you know, your life as stew, your stew of life. Still working on the title. You'd think I'd have figured that out before I hit record, but I didn't. No, I did not. <laughs> but, uh, this, your, 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 the stew of life, your life as stew, none of them really evoke the most powerful internal representation. So I'll be working on that. Um, it really came about from this whole idea that America – 
at its foundation was meant to be like this this boiling pot right we we're supposed to be this 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 melting pot that's the term melting pot of all these different people from around the world come here to create this life that they've always desired um i took that from way back when and said well how is your life like uh, this melting pot how is your life like this stew and so, so parts of this are scripted because they came directly from the hub and the other parts I'm just going to wing because you know that's what I like to do. So let's get into this because I think it's a really awesome way for you to begin to interpret your life and experience your life and understand that we're not looking to delete who we used to be because that's not possible, but we are looking to add in amazing new ingredients so that we can completely t- change the, the touch and the taste and the sights and the sounds and the smells of our stew of life. So let's get into it, shall we? And I'm um, so far, I haven't had to hit pause. I'm very happy about that. So your life is like an ever-growing pot of soup, stew, however I decide to reference it throughout most of this. right? You can create it and you can grow it as large as you like. And even when you go to constrict yourself or limit yourself, it doesn't mean that your pot that you're stew in shrinks because the pot grows with you. And once something has been learned, once something has been experienced, you grow. Therefore, your pot grows. You can't unring the bell. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Once the pot grows, the pot grows. And it's growing whether you realize it or not. You can take charge of the growing, or you can just allow your tranced out life and your habits to create your pot for you. But either way, it is growing. You can't unring a bell. You can't ungrow the pot. But you can begin to shift the ingredients that you're adding into your soup of life. The more you begin to realize that your life is boundless. It's only restricted by the belief systems you decide to adhere to. Are you deciding that your life is limited? Are you deciding that you can't overcome your addiction? Are you allowing other people to tell you based on their experiences and what they've seen other people do, whether you can achieve something? Your soup is your reality. It's your life. It is made up of ingredients both real and imagined. And this is very important to realize that a lot of the ingredients you think are in your stew are just imagined. Your reality is just your way of perceiving what it is that you are experiencing and have experienced what is in the present and what is in the past, because we can't have experienced things in the future, unless you take my NLP classes, you can't experience things in the future the way that you already know you've experienced them in the past and the way you are experiencing them in the present. When we get locked into this imagined um, ingredient structure, there is things that we think are happening but aren't really happening. It's because your reality is the way you're perceiving the world around you. It's the way that your five senses are feeding you information. If you think somebody disrespected you by referencing you derogatorily, but what if that's not what they actually did? What if you chose to experience what they said a different way? What if instead of experiencing it as a derogatory remark towards you, you chose to see it as they disrespected themselves by adding their ignorance ingredient into your stew of life. They don't know you. Most of these people who claim to know you don't know you as well as they think they know you. Hell, you don't even know you as well as you think you know you. You are ever-growing. You are like this divine human essence that is experiencing life in the now. And then you go to interpret it in your brain that's already been manipulated by your filters, and your processes, right? We've talked about these. Delete, distort, generalize. Those are processes. Your filters of time, space, attitude, experiences, memories, personality, mood, values, beliefs. All of these things become your filters, right? So what you think you experience may not actually be what you experienced. So somebody else comes in, throws a derogatory remark your way, right? You could perceive that as being disrespectful, but what it wasn't. What if it was just them trying to dash in some ignorance ingredient into your stew? And that ingredient of theirs is bitter, it's nasty, it's cold, it makes their belly tie up in knots with anger of all that bitterness and nastiness. And is it any 
speculation. When people throw vitriol out, that it probably has something more to do with them than it does with you. Your reality, your dreams, these are versions of your soup you've made up from a combination of your memories and your imagination. And the thing about this soup is that you can change the ingredients at any time. And the soup changes with the addition or subtraction of these new and old ingredients. It changes the way it feels when you think about it. It changes the way it sounds when you're talking about it. It changes the way it looks when you see it. Not just this time, but every single time after. Your melting pot of soup is a collection of your thoughts, your feelings, emotions, actions, behaviors, habits, routines, strategies, all of them. And the results that come from these ingredients are your outcomes. It is the life you believe you are living. What you experience when you live out your life with this soup, that is what you believe you are living. But this is where we can start to step into this whole subjective perspective. It is your subjective perspective of the life that you're living. If you shift your perception, right, you think, oh my God, I can't believe I just broke my leg skydiving and now I got to lay in bed for the next four months. And oh my goodness, who's ever, nobody's going to call me. Nobody's going to write. Nobody's going to care. So I might as well just drink all this booze, dragging it up my freaking stairs uh, with it all inside my comforter, you know, putting what was supposed to be months worth of booze into my bedroom and drinking it all in a month and a half. Still to this day, I swear to you, I wish I had a picture. I wish if somebody would have been home watching me do what I was doing when I broke my leg and dragging up all of this Trader Joe's booze up my stairs. It was ridiculous. I went to Trader Joe's like, um, well, I went to the grocery store. So we're going to get back to the soup metaphor, but so I can tie this in, right? So what you think you're experiencing is subjective to your perspective. So let me show you how I shifted my perspective. And this is extremely powerful. And I guarantee as I'm telling this story, you're going to notice where you've done this in your life. So I break my leg on August 13th, 2016, shatter it. It's, it's gone. All right. I managed to walk it off for a couple of weeks, not realizing the damage I caused skydiving. And I go to play flag football. And um, that's whenever I tear all of the, that's when I completely pop out the MCL and the meniscus. That's, that's when the left one just said, you know what, dude, we've been broken for two weeks. What the hell's your problem? Why are we playing football? We're going to go ahead and snap your, your CLs and your meniscus just so you really know you need to go to bed. So I um, went to the doctor. They said, go to bed for four months. Awesome. Went to the grocery store, bought up like a couple 12 packs, a handle, some bottles of wine, thought this should last me for a month, killed it all in three days. Um, so ultimately I go to Trader Joe's, um, like hobbling with this weird brace on my leg and a crutch and I fill up two shopping carts full of vodka, beer and wine. And it's super cheap. It's like $2 a bottle of wine at the Trader Joe's. And it's like $5 for this big bottle of vodka and like 10 cents for a beer. It's insane how cheap it was. So I didn't matter. I still dropped three or 400 bucks. It was a lot of money. But anyways, I finished up with these two huge shopping carts full of booze. And so I drive them home. And because my legs messed up and nobody's home, um, I come up with this genius idea to take uh, these comforters that were on the couch and put all the booze inside these comforters and then drag them into the house. And then I had a stairwell to get to my bedroom. And so I sit down um, on the stairs with these bottles, right? And I just start to hop up one step at a time, pulling the comforter with the blanket, right? With all these bottles of booze in it. I'm amazed none broke. I'm very, very, to this day, I have no idea. I'm not going to say I'm proud of it, but I'm still marvel at this. So anyways, it takes (laughs) a long time for this whole thing to play out. And anyways, I finally get all the booze into the room, and then I'm like, well, this should last me for the next four months that I'm laid up. It did not. It only lasted me like a month and a half. I'm telling you guys, it was bad. Anyways, I used to look back at August 13th, the day that all of this stuff started up with my leg, as the worst day of my life. It was like it was the, the beginning of the end, right? By the time I got sober on January 13th, I saw August 13th, the day that the leg exploded, as the best day of my life. Because it allowed my alcoholism to get so bad, to spiral me down into the depths of hell so much that the only way to stop it was to stop drinking. Up till then, I 
pretty much thought I could just continue to juggle the madness. And this broken leg and being stuck in my house for four months convinced me otherwise. And then I got sober. So now let's bring this back to the super life, right? So now the subjective perspective, these results that you have from these ingredients, emotions, feelings, actions, behaviors, habits, routines, strategies, all this stuff, right? It is subjective to your perspective. And if you just shift one degree left or right, where you were once standing behind a tree, you are now seeing the beautiful meadow in front of you just by shifting your perspective, by shifting your ingredients. So where I thought my ingredients had led me down to the worst day of my life, in fact, it was much better than that. I had to bounce off the bottom of my own depths of despair in order to rise up like I have as this phoenix. Lots of metaphors happening right now. I hope you're just rubbing them, just enjoying them all. (laughs) And so just realize that what you once thought as the worst day of your life could one day be perceived as the best day of your life because it was the day you chose to make the ultimate change. I'll speak directly without using names to somebody in the tribe who recently shared a story about going off into the woods and having a not so great moment, but promise you, you see that experience completely differently now that you're 16 months into your journey. And now that you've met us and 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 you've grown closer to your family and your husband, I can assure you the IR you had of that is not the same as it was the day that it happened or the week after it happened or the month after it happened because it couldn't stay the same. It had to change. Because so much about you has changed. Because you started to shift your ingredients. And some ingredients can leave your soup feeling so cold it's unpalatable. Or so hot that no one even wants to take even the smallest of taste. It can sound so shrill, people wince when they get near it. Or it can sound so lovely that people want to be around it more often. The ingredients can be so tainted and lacking of any brightness that it looks deep brown like sludge and scary when you and others even look into the pot. It can smell rancid, as if it's spoiled long before you even had a chance to know how to make your own soup. And the taste, the taste, it can be so bitter or so salty that even you know you wouldn't want to eat your own soup. Yet this is the soup you serve to yourself every morning, afternoon, and night. Because you have no choice but to eat your own soup. It is your soup. It is your life. You live it. Rancid, salty, smelly, nasty, tastes like shit. It's your soup, man. This is what you've you've created for yourself. And what sucks is that sometimes we're creating this soup and at such a young age, we don't know the ingredients. But when we get older, we do. This is where this whole, your trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal it. This is where that comes into play. Your ingredients are not your fault. Not all of them are your fault, but it is your responsibility to start to shift those ingredients. You might have to eat your own soup, but others don't. They very much have a choice. To a varying degree, they can walk away, some much further than others, and rarely, if ever, come around for your soup again. Your close friends and family, they may have to be around your soup, but they will be left approaching the soup warily, mostly out of habit and routine or a sense of obligation. When we come to this crossroads in our lives where we decide to change the way our soup feels, sounds, looks, smells, and tastes, the way we create this from an idea to an outcome is by altering and changing the ingredients. Your thoughts you have about yourself are an accumulation of your memories and experiences. The way you feel about yourself can come from the standards you set for yourself around your opinions, your beliefs, your morals, your ethics, and your values, and how well you perceive yourself to have stood up for those, or how others have told you that you stood up for them, and whether you even believe what they say or not. Think about the way we behaved at the depths of our addiction, where we always following the values, the opinions, the beliefs, the ethics, the principles that we had set for ourselves. When we've sobered up, gotten our mind a little bit clear, we know when we've looked in that mirror that the ingredients we've been putting in for the last couple weeks, months, years, whatever, they weren't good. But then the habit kicks in, the cue, right? We get triggered. And it's like, oh, we justify it. We play mental gymnastics. We convince ourselves that, you know what? Man, fuck it. You know what? Trying to get sober is just way too much. I would rather just continue at this for a little while longer. We'll figure that. We'll leave that for future, Jesse. 
until future Jesse shows up as present Jesse and says, it is time. <laughs> you keep waking up in this bathtub of death, and one day it really will be your bathtub of death. So then we ask ourselves, you know, how do I perceive myself? Look in the mirror and say, okay, this is not my beautiful life. This is not my beautiful house. This is not who I thought I would be at this age. What can I do about it now? Do I perceive myself as being somebody who can achieve great things if I just pull my head out of this addiction long enough to smell something different? Have others told me like, Jesse, whenever you're sober, man, you are amazing. But when you are wasted, you are just a, you are an atrocity of humanity. See, it's the actions that you and I take, whether repetitiously or perceived as randomly. Most behaviors and actions are not random. There's a repetition. There is a habit. There is a strategy behind them. So these actions that we take, they're the results of of these collections of these thoughts and feelings that we have about ourselves. Do I think I'm worthy of love? Was I told I was a piece of shit? Was I told I was a genius? Was I told that I was the the chosen one? Was I told that I was the bad child? From different people in my life, I've been told all of those things. So who am I supposed to believe? That I'm the bad child or the golden child? Who am I supposed to believe? That I'm a piece of shit or that I'm worthy of love? Who am I supposed to believe? The one that says, Jesse, you can achieve great things. Or, hey, you'll be lucky if you even make it to be 20. What if you were introduced to a way to change your thoughts and feelings? What if there were a way to go in and change the ingredients, these thoughts and feelings? Even if they had been in the stew for 5, 10, 20, 40, 60 years, what if by changing these ingredients, the soup's touch and taste and sights and sounds and smells were forever altered? What if? What if you could go in there and change everything? If you met someone new and you handed them a bowl of your soup with a big smile on your face and a kind look in your eye, they will naturally think that your soup is good and delicious. When you touch them with affection, say caring things to them, look at them with honesty and trustworthiness in your eyes. Since they've only ever known this version of you handing them the soup right now, and they've never known that your soup was once bitter and nasty and undesirable, they will begin to form memories and experiences of you that are positive and uplifting to their soul. Not everybody knows about your past. And yes, I get it. We're taught in recovery to be honest and trustworthy and truthful. But it doesn't mean every single person you come across needs to know the depths of your despair. Not everybody needs to know about the shit tub. You guys get to know about it because you're special. The rest of the world, I call it the tub of death. They don't need to know. It doesn't need to be busted out at a networking event. And for the people who have been dipping their tongue in the spoon, or in most cases choking down your soup with a face that pretty obviously shows they are not enjoying your soup, this changing of your soup's ingredients will take an indeterminable amount of time to ultimately change the enjoyability of your soup from their perspective. Lots of fancy words to simply say, if your family's been around you for the last 20 years, you've been an alcoholic and a drug addict, they're not just going to immediately taste the delicious soup. It's going to take them some time to, to realize the ingredients have changed. New people that you meet have no idea. They get to form new memories. People who've been in your life for a while, they are going to have some history with your soup. It's going to take them a little bit of time, but they will come around the more you change the ingredients. And let's face it, if you have any inkling that your soup sucks, then you're going to definitely go through life hesitant to introduce your soup to anyone new. You're going to be hesitant to go around those that have been choking it down, this toxic creation, out of fear they'll judge you, speak poorly of you, and ultimately throw your soup down the sink disposal, spike the bowl on the kitchen floor, and walk away from you with an energy that says, see you when I see you. No wonder. It was so hard for us to make friends in the depths of our addiction unless there was other people who were equally addicted. Because who else would want to be around us is the way we saw it. Who else is going to want to eat this shitty soup but other people serving shitty soup themselves? We know how the soup feels when it's eaten and it tastes better because we knew what good days were when we were deep in our addiction. We know it can be changed. We know it can be changed. Right? There's the logical ways through temperature and texture and level of spices being altered. Right? What does that mean? Your temperature. Is it cold? Right? Are you distant? Are you off-putting? Do you ignore? Or is it way too hot? Are you quick to temper? Anger? Are you mean? Disgruntled? 
emotionally triggered easily? What about the texture? Is your tone coarse, rough, sharp? Do you have this tone about you that's just condescending and rude? What about the spice? Are you hot, bland, tart, sweet, surly? This is what we're talking about when we discuss temperature, textures, and level of spices. You can shift these. You've been shifting them. We know the way we talk about our soup and how others talk about our soup can be changed once we start adding new, fresh ingredients. We know this. We've all started on a new project or taken on a new hobby and seen how much enthusiasm and conversation is sparked from that addition into our life. So here is what we're going to do. We're going to move forward starting right now with a very distinct energy of ejecting or rejecting the ingredients that are no longer serving us. They're no longer serving our highest empowered self. They're no longer serving the people that we love. It's no longer serving our community at large. It is no longer serving anyone. And we are going to add into our soup new, fresh, and amazing ingredients. Some of these ingredients you might be very familiar with. Others you might have a passing knowledge about. And others are so foreign to you, they might as well have come from the Amazon rainforest. But all of these ingredients we will discuss are available to us right now, today, in order for us to create our most amazing soup for ourselves. And by the nature of order of things, a soup others will desire to experience, to be around, and to want to have in their lives, we have to take actionable, intentional, stated awareness towards who we desire to achieve to become. Just like actual food, there are, there are three key ingredients to how we're going to achieve this. Now think actual food, right? You look on the back of a label, fat, protein, carbohydrates. These are the three key nutrient sources to making a successful soup in like real life. Now following along this metaphor, here are the three successful ingredients you're going to want to have in order to achieve the life you desire. You're going to want to have mindset, understanding, and strategy. And that will equal you toward success. Those will bring you success. Your mindset around the ingredients you're adding. Okay, let's think about mindset first. Mindset plus understanding plus strategy equals success. Write that down. Mindset plus understanding plus strategy equals success. Your mindset around the ingredients you're adding, rejecting, or ejecting from your soup. Do you have the growth mindset where adding ingredients increases the enjoyment of your soup? Or are you fixed in your mindset where your soup is just what it is? Nothing has to be it is what it is if you see your life of soup through the growth-minded goggles. Your understanding of how the ingredients you have been adding and subtracting have been causing and affecting the palatability of your soup is very important in the strategies that you have been using to decide upon the ingredients that you add or subtract from your soup or introduce new ingredients? What strategies have you been using to decide how you are going to add new ingredients? And the strategies you've been using to keep those ingredients fresh and interesting to you and vicariously for others. Because the more fresh and interesting you feel about yourself, the more other people will experience that too. It's like I I thought of this Kool-Aid man reference where they're all sitting there bored and then you know, me as Kool-Aid man jumps through the wall and like, I'm making a fucking party. It's like, oh yeah, right? It's like life was boring. It was dull. Didn't really know where it was going. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? It's time to add some new ingredients. So let's go over what we just discussed real fast. So your mindset, do you honestly believe that you can change your soup? Right? You cannot take, I know I say subtract ingredients. It's just the idea of subtracting out as much as we're putting in. Right? We're adding in new, we're, we're subtracting out what, what we've been putting in as the old. We don't want that anymore. What's that mean? Right, If you've been putting a lot of saltiness, a lot of bitterness, a lot of bitter tasting things into your soup, we're not going to necessarily be able to reach into the pot and pull out bitterness. Once it's in, it's in. But it doesn't mean that we can't start adding in more sugar, more delicious ingredients, that eventually the bitterness, you just don't even taste it anymore. This is where the power of NLP lives. We can go back into our past. We can re-experience moments we thought of as trauma and traumatic. We can see them from a different perspective. Taking from it a lesson to be learned 
leaving behind the sadness, the sorrow, bringing forward the strength, the confidence, the empathy for the others that were involved in these moments that have been holding us back for so long. People often called NLP magic when it was first experienced by people because it seemed that you could just change what you once thought of as one thing and turn it into something completely different. And it wasn't lying to yourself because so much of your reality is simply caught by the unconscious mind. The conscious mind can handle so little that this unconscious mind becomes the warehouse for all of your memories. And there, there, there are lessons. There, there is empathy. There, there is compassion. And through NLP, we can leave behind the trauma, the sadness, the sorrow, the guilt, the shame, and we can bring forward the empowerment that these lessons provide. How do you understand adding in these ingredients? If you're bitter every single time you go talk to a certain person, talk to that person less. Release the bitterness you have towards them, forgive them, have them forgive you, figure that out, or let them go. Stop putting that ingredient into your stew. Find ingredients that are more tasty, more palatable, and understand how if you keep going back to something that you do not desire doing any longer, you're adding shitty ingredients into your stew. I get it. We all got to go to work. We all got to do certain things that aren't the most fun for us, but it doesn't mean that we have to see work as a crappy ingredient into our stew. If we reframe work as what provides us the financial stability to have a great time with ourselves, with our families, with our loved ones, then all of a sudden, work can taste a little bit better. That ingredient tastes a little bit better. I hate this job. This job sucks. But then you go home and you get to enjoy really nice things in life. All of a sudden, the job becomes that avenue. I was not thrilled about being a waiter for eight years at the Hollywood Roosevelt or for three years at the SLS or the other 12 years before that. I had lots of other gigs here and there, but I always went back to being a bartender and a waiter. And I wasn't thrilled about those jobs, but I can promise you this. I experienced those jobs through the growth mindset eyes, knowing that everything I had in my life when I drove away from that hotel was because of the money I made there. I could find enjoyment in that job, even on its worst days, because I knew what it was allowing me to experience away from there. While other people saw that job as miserable and bitter and left there salty and surly, I left there joyful. I put in my six or seven hours and I get to leave and go experience the wonderness that is my life. Even in the depths of my addiction, I still found my life wonderful. Not everything about it, but I certainly still found it wonderful. So when we get into this kitchen and then we really put our effort into shifting our mindset and our understanding of our life and the things that we can add to it or make it vibrant and fulfilling and the strategies, the strategies that we're using, like our society has strategy out the freaking ass. Every book has a strategy for you. Some will rummage through the cupboard and open up some recipe books and make sure the strategies you've been using are the best ones for you. Other ones, we just sort of start following a strategy because somebody told us this book was going to get us there. Ultimately, what ends up happening is that not all strategies will work for you. Some will be better than others. And there's this saying, you've got to find out what works best for you. I don't always agree with that. Because oftentimes what you think has been working best for you is just what's comfortable doing. But it's not actually what's working best. Sometimes you have to step, not sometimes, let me take that back. Most of the time, you have to step outside your comfort zone and experience something new for a prolonged period of time to truly know if that new strategy is going to work for you or not. A game plan that I have perfected won't necessarily equate to your success rate, but we can certainly apply it for a, extended period of time and see what it's going to come of it. It's like, if you, you know how much I love football. It's like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, right? I'll bring you some new plays. You'll practice them with great effort and we will collectively decide if the explanation for why it is working or not working is the strategy or it's your mindset around the effort it will take to achieve the successful running of the play, right? Coach and player. Here's some plays. Let's try them a bunch of times. Let's see if they work. Is, is it working out of luck? All right? Not really a big fan of luck. Right? If it can't be measured, then it can't be replicated. If it can't be replicated, then it can't be turned into a strategy. If it can't be turned into a strategy, it cannot be turned into a habit. Luck is not something I'm going to bank on. I want to figure out how I can turn it into something that's replicatable because then it can become a strategy that can be turned into a habit. This is what we did with our addiction. We had some feelings and some emotions we did not want to feel. 
Somebody was like, hey, you should totally try this thing. Like, mm, don't feel great in the morning, but I'll tell you what, in the moment I felt pretty damn good. Okay. Okay, let's replicate that. Let's let's see if we replicate it and let's see if we can have some similar effects. All right? Oh, okay. Yeah, it turns out if I replicate drinking over and over and over and drugs over and over and over again in my life, yeah, I continue to meet my emotions. Cool. That's my new strategy. Let's turn it into a habit. Feel emotions, blot them out with drugs and alcohol. This is what we did. So let's just use the same power of habit to break ourselves from the old us to become a new us, to create a new stew. Everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have. And these ingredients are your resources. Whatever you have been doing in your active addiction life, you're going to be doing so many things differently. All of these things are your ingredients. It might be sitting down at the kitchen table every single night at 6.30 with the family, phones away, looking each other in the eyes, and each of you saying something that you're grateful for that day. I don't know. But all of these things are ingredients. Somebody comes over to your house, they insult the cleanliness of it, they insult you, they insult your family, that person's bitter, that person's angry, they're showing up with some shitty-ass ingredients and dumping them all up in your stew. Now they leave, and now you got to somehow, you know, get your get you and your family back to homeostasis after this, you know, com, you know tornado of negativity. This tornado of negativity came rustling through your house, throwing in shitty ingredients everywhere. Now they're doing the best they can with the resources they have. They did not sign up for personal growth and development at the at the at the stage you did. They did not say, you know what, I'm going to completely take my life apart. I'm going to put all the pieces out on the table, and I'm going to figure out a better way to put this together. They didn't. Most of these people did not. But you did. I know you did, or you wouldn't be 197 episodes into this show. So let's get into the kitchen. Let's start creating our best soup, our best life. Because every single soup on this planet can be changed. It can be altered in a brighter, more meaningful way at any given moment, every single day. Every single day, at any given moment, you can decide in that moment to shift your perspective, to change your mindset. Damn it, it started raining while we're at the park and we've been planning this picnic for months. I can't, damn it, that's just the world. The world hates me. I hate the world. Let's just go home and be angry and then we'll use because it rained at the park. (laughs) Or you know what? Let's just run around in the rain. Because somebody out there needed that rain. A farmer's been praying for that rain. A little critter living off in the woods desperately needed it to rain. The plants needed that rain. Okay, so it, it botched up my picnic. Tomorrow's another day. But right now, let's run around in the rain. Okay, let's just pick up our stuff and let's do the picnic in the car. Let's shift our perspective from, I can't believe it rained and it ruined my day, to how can this be a brighter day even, in, even when it is raining? How can we shift our perspective? Because it's that mindset, it's that thought pattern that will actually change the ingredients right then and there. We're not talking about everything needing to be heavy lifting here, guys. Sometimes it's just laughing, being like, fuck, man, life is humbling. I am more present, right? You've heard me say that before. Life is humbling. I am present. Had planned a picnic for months, rained on the day of the picnic. All right, life's humbling. I'm present. What can we do right now to shift this? Don't got to get it back in the car and curse the clouds because somebody out there was praying for those clouds. It may not be benefiting us right now, but we're not the center of the fucking universe. Other people have needs and desires too. Let's allow them to breathe just as much as we want them to allow us to breathe. It's the decision to change that precludes all actual change. Change can happen in an instant. You can make a decision. That's when the change begins to occur. The fear, the fear of switching the ingredients, the fear we have around what the soup might taste like when we begin to make these changes, that becomes the barrier. 
working our way through the fear on the other side of risk, on the other side of the comfort zone, because we have grown comfortable around the ingredients we had been adding to our soup for so long. It is in the follow through with the decision to make the change. That is where the work comes in. Change does happen in an instant. You make the decision, the change begins. It's like the seed that begins to germinate. You don't see all of the work that that little seed has had to do until it pops out of the ground. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, look, (laughs) there's an amazing plant in front of me. But it has put in so much effort. It made the decision to break through its seed and start to lay down the roots. But it takes time for it to crack through the soil. It's in the follow through. It's in the follow through. That's the real work. That's what takes the time and the energy and the effort. And in many cases, the money to make the changes that we desire. When I say money, picture it like this. You're spending money at the bar on all your booze. And obviously you stop drinking. And it's like, well, now you want to do things, right? You want to go to the gym. You want to go on cool holidays with your family. Like in order to create some of these moments, it's going to take a little cash flow. Not everything takes money, but many things do. And money just creates choice. It doesn't create happiness. Your viewpoint on whether the work you're doing for yourself is fun and enjoyable or whether it's hard and exhausting, that comes directly from the mindset nutrient. You are using your mindset nutrient when you choose to step into this as being the wonderful adventure that it is. You are using all of that and this energetically positive or negative ingredients you are putting into your soup, you determine that. Is going to the gym a drag? Oh, why do I got to do this? This is stupid. This is dumb. Jesse's always talking about it. All these other people are talking about it. I'll just go. I'll just, it's like eating spinach that was boiled when you were five years old. It's like, fine, I'll just hold my nose and I'll suffer through it. Or are you finding ways to make it enjoyable for yourself? Today is the day you will remember as the day you either expanded or contracted your life. Your nutrient options and your ingredients are expandable at any given moment you choose them to be. What you're experiencing right now will either feel tangible in time through effort and discipline, or it will be forgotten like a dream because you didn't do anything tangible with the nutrients and ingredients introduced to you that are now available to you. Through this journey, we have already embarked upon. Today is the day that you will chisel into your memory or let fade away into oblivion. I think you've already decided which path you are taking. If a thing is going to die, it's going to die. But to kill it so you don't have to watch it die is worse. Because it dies and you're the killer. So you suffer twice. Let me repeat that. If a thing is going to die, it's going to die. But to kill it so you don't have to watch it die is worse. Because not only does it die, but you're the killer. You suffer twice. I thought about relationships when we sabotage them. Because, heaven forbid, we open up heart to vulnerability and potential pain and grief or sadness. Well, that could happen. So, you know what? I'll just destroy it now so I don't have to worry about it being something that is destroyed later. Well, you know what? I'll just just screw it. I'll just take that drink now. I'll just use this drug now. Because it could happen down the road. So, I'll just do it now so I don't have to be even more bummed that it happens later. Well, I'll just quit this job. I'll just quit this person. I'll just quit this thing now. Because it might potentially down the road not work out. You know what? I'll just, I'll just turn the heat up on this soup so much that it just burns the shit out of it. Because you know what? <laughs> it's probably going to taste like ass anyways. 
you know, the electricity could go out one day, so I might as well just go ahead and turn it off now and let everything in the fridge spoil. <laughs> because it could happen. It could happen in like three weeks. So I might as well just let it all spoil now, because at least then I have control over the spoilage. I have control over it dying. I have control over the lapse, the relapse, the breaking up, the quitting the job, the not going to the gym, the deciding to turn my back on all of this stuff that matters to me. And when I hear you say, I can't, I hear you fighting for a life you've already told me you're sick and tired of. You're already sick and tired of the soup. We have our soup. We have this metaphor. Where I would hope that you hear power and strength in this is that you are in control of your soup in a way that you've never been in control of your soup before. One, I've brought it to your attention. Two, you've already been feeling this. You've already been talking differently and seeing things differently and feeling things differently. And in many cases, you know, food tastes different. Things smell different. If you've already been walking your journey of sobriety and recovery, then you have already been feeling major shifts throughout your five senses in your entire body. Your entire experience of life has already changed and shifted so much. So what do I want you to be able to do with this? Like, I've gone on and parts of this were scripted, parts of this were just, you know, Jesse being Jesse. And while a lot of this was, you know, maybe it was inspirational, uh, maybe it was, you know, one of those things that gets you to stop and doing whatever you were trancing through and say, what the hell is this dude talking about? Great. Pattern interrupts are awesome. I love those. Whether you have already been walking a journey of sobriety and recovery, or you are just sober curious and thinking about it, or you're occasionally sober and, you know, you get yourself a week, 10 days, you know, a month, and then you have a, have a little lapse and you come back. I want you to understand that all of these choices that you're, that you're making, that we're making collectively and, and individually, they're all, they're all ingredients. They're all ingredients. Go into your kid's school because they win an award and they're super happy and they get to see mom and dad show up and they've been experiencing their life through your soberness and your recovery journey. Those are sugary, delicious ingredients that get added in. See, we can't take ingredients out. So if there's a party that's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this in front of my partner. I can't believe I did this in front of my children. I can't believe I did this in front of my parents and my friends and all that. It is what it is. Like, it, if that's the past. We can't, you know, Marty McFly this stuff and, and just, whoosh, it's all better. It's all good. Right? But all that bitterness and sadness and depression and sorrow and grief and shame, those are ingredients that are in the soup. But you can begin to add more delicious ones. Happiness and comfort and contentment and vulnerability and passion. These amazing events that you go off and you experience through sober eyes and the people with you get to experience through your soberness. These are powerfully strong, delicious ingredients being added in. Go back to the pillars. What are you doing physically? Right? Whenever you choose to go to the gym or choose to eat a little bit healthier or celebrate with a delicious Sunday, like I love showing my tribe my pictures of my Sundays that I have on my celebration days. Those are delicious, not just literally, but metaphorically, because it's new ingredients being added in. It's amazing memories that I'm creating with people that I love. What are you doing emotionally? Instead of snapping at somebody and immediately going to the yelling, instead you slow yourself down, you stop, you you create a gap between the stimulus and the response so that you actually have a chance to come back and communicate in a more powerfully dynamic way. That is a delicious ingredient. Yes, maybe in the past there was a lot of anger and vitriol and bitterness and salty and surliness. Okay, let's just add so many amazing delicious ingredients to our soup that those ingredients just, they're a forgotten memory. They're just not in there anymore. Like they're in there, but they're just not. I've talked about this in the past. I'm not trying to destroy and kill alcoholic drug addict Jesse. He's, he's, his, his existence is in me. He became a humongous part of me. He led me here to you right now. Yeah, he's many, 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 many rows 
back in my school bus of life. I'm in control. I have the wheel. Sometimes discipline Jesse or workout Jesse or or boyfriend Jesse or or leadership Jesse. Like all these different versions of me get the wheel. Strung out, drunk on my bathroom floor, dying in my bathtub, Jesse. That dude does not get the wheel anymore. He's egotistical, slightly narcissistic, and he doesn't get to be in charge anymore. He's not adding ingredients into the soup any longer. Now there's all these different versions of me adding in these amazing ingredients. And I want you to see that in yourself too. This disgust you might have when you look back at the decisions you made and the actions and behaviors you partaked in. That is part of your beautiful story. For me, it's part of my soul's journey. I, for the longest time, literally thought that my soul's journey was to be an addict for years and then to be, get, become sober. Even when I got sober, I was like, sweet, I have fulfilled what my soul desired, to go to the depths of despair and addiction and come out of it. And that was not it at all. <laughs> it's just part of my adventure. I'm not really sure I even can fathom what my soul's purposeful journey is and all that jazz. And like Neil deGrasse Tyson likes to say, sometimes it's okay not to know the answer. You have this soup. This is your opportunity to begin to intentionally, with awareness and creativity, add in ingredients that will make your life dynamic and beautiful contentment and happiness and joy and enthusiasm, knowing that life is 50-50, that sometimes just the life is just going to throw some ingredients in your soup that you were not expecting. And that's okay. That's okay. Because that's life. It's good and it's bad. It's bitter and it's sweet. When we put attention and attention and intention and all the tensions I can think of, into how we are going to add in ingredients that we can control, knowing that the world's going to throw in some that we weren't expecting. But we can be mindful and know that nothing that goes in can't be covered up. And in fact, sometimes random ingredients are exactly what we need in order to shake the soup up, make us put a little bit of effort. Because we can trance out. We can just go into work mode, right, where it's 9 to 5, punch in, punch out, come home, eat dinner, watch a little TV, tuck the kids in, read them a nighttime story, give the, give the partner a peck on the cheek, good night, rinse, wash, repeat. Everybody is working for the weekend. But it's not Mondays that suck. It's not even necessarily your job that sucks. It's your perception of what's happening in your life that sucks. Shift your perception of your job. Shift your perception of your addiction. Shift your perception of your behaviors. I can assure you, for me, definitely, and but just going ahead and throwing out a guess here for you, that because of the way you behaved in your past when you were right full, right full into your whole addiction, you very much know how not to behave. <laughs> you definitely know where there are boundaries and where there are lines you do not want to cross. That's a beautiful, delicious knowledge that so many people don't have. Everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have. You, do, you did the best you could then with the ingredients you knew that you had at your disposal. Now you know you have more and more and more ingredients. And also keep this presupposition in mind. No one's doing anything against you. They're doing it for themselves. This doesn't mean that every behavior you take on is selfish, but the brain is self-centered. You will be doing things for your human needs to be met. You're adding in ingredients for your soup. This is your soup. Other people are around, your wife, your husband, your kids, your family members, they're definitely dipping into your soup, but ultimately it's your soup. And even if you sleep next to somebody for 45 years, they still have their own soup. Your soups have definitely intermingled a lot, 
but it's still your own soup. You still are creating your own hobbies. You're still creating your own skills and your own passions. And you might be totally into bird movies and she might be totally into bear movies. I have no idea. But we all have our own individuality, our own uniqueness. Moving forward, I just want you to be mindful and intentional about the ingredients that you're putting into your soup. Whereas before, we were just blindly throwing shit in, just trying to make it through a day. I want you to be intentional. That's one of my words of the year, is intentional. In fact, my power sentence for the year is, intentional acceptance creates stability. So I'll get you out of here on this. Intentional acceptance creates stability. I want to be intentional with my behaviors. And I really want to be very intentional with my acceptance of where I'm at now, of where I've been and where I'm going. I want to accept all of those around me for being being the unique individuals they are and having their own perceptions and perspectives of life that they do not need to adhere to mine. And by doing this intentional acceptance, now, and it was it was actually one of my NLP peers and, and a client of mine who brought me um, to this word acceptance in the AA book, oddly enough, um, is that he was like, said something, and I'm like, I've got the big blue book, pulled it out, and I read this page on acceptance. I was like, this is awesome. I was like, absolutely, this is building my power sent- sentence, intentional acceptance. And then I was like, well, what do I want my intentional acceptance to create for me? I want it to create stability. I want to be stable. I do not want my emotions swaying wildly left and right. I don't want my bank account swaying wildly up and down. I don't want my um, interactions and my communications with people to sway, you know, from sideways to stable. I want it I want it to be this nice stability. It doesn't mean life won't be exciting. It doesn't mean life won't have 50-50 ups and downs and good and bads, but it means that there will be a stability into it, that there will be a homeostasis that I know I can reachieve simply through intentional acceptance of me, of me for just being me, for me being human. That no matter how many self-help books I read, no matter how many classes I teach, no matter hundreds, if not thousands of episodes for from sobriety and college success habits I create, I will never, ever, in a bazillion years, wake up as the perfect human. There is no perfection. There is only progress. I want to be progressive. I want to be mindful of my ingredients, and I want you to be mindful of yours as well. Release perfection. Seek progress. We are at 197 episodes. We're coming up on 200. I just passed six years of sobriety. We're coming up on another mother, uh, mother death day anniversary this Valentine's Day of 2023. She died in 20, 2007. So we are now at year 16, if I'm doing my math correctly. Not positive that I am. <laughs> it's late. She's been She's been gone for a while, and that's going to be... Um, an emotional episode. I'm looking forward to it, to just be able to step back and on all the days to step back and just be reminded of how amazing that woman was in my life and how powerful she was and how many amazing ingredients she put into my stew, into my soup. My love affair with music was born through her diligent um, playing of amazing music on her record player for me when I was a child. And so many of the ingredients that I find delicious and delectable in my soup in my life now were first introduced to me by her. So I choose to shift my perspective of the less than rose-colored glasses version of her and very much prefer to see her through the rose-colored glasses because holding on to any pain or animosity or, or grief and shame and guilt that only poisons me. She's gone. She's on the other side. Wherever that is, whatever that is, she's there. She's not here. So I will choose to taste the delicious ingredients and just add in more and more and more delicious ingredients. Not because I'm fearful of masking what happened in the past, but just because it doesn't need to be at the forefront of my mind all the time. There are disappointments. 
There are things I would love to be able to take back. But again, I don't see Einstein and Doc Brown showing up anytime soon for either you or I. Your soup is now yours. And the power to create it, to taste like whatever you desire, has now been handed to you. I look forward to more and more and more of these episodes. I love my sevens because I I really feel like I bring some heat and some power whenever we do these. I hope you've enjoyed the soup metaphor. This has gone seriously long. Um, So long I actually had to stop it for a little while and come back to it. Um, It's as powerful. I have not literally read over this or really gone too much deeper into it since I originally wrote it for the Hub um, two years ago this March. And so I really want to thank the newest tribal member who reminded me of the power of this metaphor and how much it meant to me when I first wrote it. And I really do um, think that when you hear this and begin to experience your life as this metaphor, you will very much be able to notice when you are putting in ingredients that are no longer serving you and where you can begin to put in ingredients that will absolutely shift you to your highest sense of self. We are on this journey to go all the way up. We are not half-assing it. Everything that we desire is on the other side of risking our comfort zone. And I would be willing to wager, although I'm not a betting man, like literally, it just has just no excitement in that. I've gone to Vegas like 20 times and never even gambled a dollar. <laughs> but I would be willing to wager that every single one of us is ready to have it all the way up life. We know how not to live our lives. Now let's choose intentional acceptance and create stability for ourselves. All right, my friends. That's it. Episode 197 in the can. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the greatest day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine. Glow on. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. 